0: Welcome to the Warriors of Education podcast, bringing you heartwarming and real conversations with teachers on the front line of education from across the country. I am Karen Sarah Watson, and I am a teacher. This podcast is for those who want to better understand the experiences of today's teachers. Come join us. Welcome to the Warriors of Education podcast. Today, I'm so excited to have Kelsey John baptiste on the podcast, she is a journalist and she has a show called To Real a Talk. So, Kelsey, tell me about yourself, how you got into journalism to start.
1: Yeah, definitely. So, first of all, thank you so much for having me on this platform. You know, I love talking about To Real a Talk and just about some of the interviews that I've done. So, I got into journalism in a very funny way. I started off with communications in college, I went to Ursinus College, and then I felt that this wasn't the right track for me. I wasn't into marketing and all of those things. And so I took a year off and I said to my mom, "You know, hey, I really wanna go into journalism. I've never done this before and this is what I wanna do. So she was like, okay, well you gotta apply to grad school somewhere. So I applied to Columbia, Johns Hopkins and Georgetown. I got into all of them and I really had to weigh my options on what school I should go to. And I was looking at Columbia's program and it was phenomenal. So I said to myself, this is the school that I'm going to go to. I'll go here for journalism. And I went and I learned everything from the ground up. So I learned about podcasting. I learned about news broadcasting. I learned about photojournalism, so many different avenues of the way that people can tell stories of someone else. Um, And I fell in love with it. Mainly I fell in love with the broadcast part to journalism where I'm on screen, I'm on camera and I'm reporting on you know, current issues for change, or I'm reporting, reporting on current, current news. So that's sort of the way I got here. And I love it so far. I love reporting. I love talking to people. So it's, it's really fun for me. and It's, it's great.
0: Great. So I know your platform is a, a lot of it is about social justice. So tell me your work in that.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So when the Black Lives Matter, Black Lives Matter protest movement, when that first started, you know, I said, it's, it's such a crazy time because it was in the middle of COVID, right? And this is when COVID in New York City, I'm from New York City. So it was a time when COVID was just rampant and it wasn't so safe to be outside walking around in groups and all of that. And I said, you know what? I'm not going to do that, but I have to find a different way to protest from home. So I had just graduated from Columbia in May and I said, I'm going to start my own talk series where I talk about the Black Lives Matter movement and I discuss, you know, or interview community members, uh, protest leaders, so on and so forth. And so it started like that. I got a chance to interview um, some, uh, what's her name? I got a chance to interview, gosh, it's been, that was my first episode that I did her name, Shavonna Newsom. She was the COO and co-founder of Black Lives Matter Greater New York, and I got a chance to talk to her a lot about her protesting and what she does. And it was so fantastic because I realized people need to hear other people to speak, especially when it comes to social justice. It's a great way to learn when you see and are listening to people talk about what they do and why they do it and why it's important. And so it continued with that And I continued doing a lot of community leaders and a lot of important people. But then somewhere I shifted from just social justice to talking about current news, because with now the decision of schools going back in the fall, it was like, whoa, this is a huge story that I need to cover. And there's so many different avenues that I can cover it. So social justice was a big part of where I started. It's still a big part of who I am, and I still will cover a lot of what's going on with the Black Lives Matter movement because there's still stories every day, but it has transitioned a little bit to now focusing on current news in general.
0: Right. So tell me how, because we're a podcast about teachers, I would love to talk to you a little bit about what you discovered in talking to teachers about going back into school. So can you talk about that?
1: Yeah, definitely. So that whole episode that I did, which was episode nine, I was very upset because my mom's a teacher and my little sister, she's 13 and she's getting ready for the eighth grade. And my mom was really concerned about going back to school. And my sister was concerned about going back to school. And so they both opt out of going back and my sister's going to be doing online learning from home. And so is my mom, she teaches pre-K, she's going to be doing um, teaching from home as well. And I said, I need to do a story about this. So I found five teachers and some paraprofessionals and a professor, which were, their names were Peter Rawich, Cassandra Nelson, Andrea Castellano, and Rosangela Hartford. And I'm missing the last, Paula DeAndre Daly. And I found them just from posting on Facebook. And I was like, Hey, I need to talk to teachers about going back to school. I'm really interested in this topic. And when I got all of them. I was so shocked to hear each of their different point of views. So I can like break it down a little bit fast. Rosie, which is Rosangela Hartford, her, she lives in Texas and she has a little bit of a different experience. She's a seventh grade teacher at a charter school and she's, her school is 10 miles from Mexico. So a lot of the students travel from Mexico to the school and so there's a lot of border patrol issues. There's also a lot of safety issues with a lot of her kids and her families that she teaches. Then she was talking a lot about the fact that they're low income families. So we're not thinking that if these kids get sick, these parents are also working tooth and nail at home. So there's a lot of those issues. She talked a lot about remote learning and is it effective for students, especially her students? And she was saying, Not really, because her st- students need hugs. They need that in close personal, interpersonal attention and communication every day. So for her, you know, it was very situational because she works in a school where a lot of her students come from low income families. Peter, he was a teacher for 40 years and he taught. Kindergarten, elementary, um, and he had amazing ideas about where we can take reopening schools in the fall to a greater level. He talked about outdoor classes, you know, using community centers in the area to also support the students learning, making it situational for different family districts. So let's say like a group of family lives in one area. Is there a local library or a local area that those kids can gather gather around and we send teachers to their area to teach those kids of like 10 students that live in that one area or a different one. Um, So he was speaking a lot about the ways that we can. Work to create a better school reopening. Um, his concern was that it wasn't safe, and you know I don't think it's safe either. So it, it was nice to hear what he said. Then I had the professor Cassandra Nelson. She was really concerned that she teaches an intro class to USC University of South Carolina, and. Her her, she has a closed door policy because a lot of the things that they talk about are, you know, very important to the students. It's personal. So there's a closed door policy. And she said, you know, I can't keep my kids trapped in a classroom. We need ventilation. We need air. I need to keep them six feet apart. It makes it so difficult to make a freshman in college feel a part of the school. When you're telling me they have to sit six feet apart, they can't touch each other. You can't do activities in the class where they are, you know, working with one another. They have to work away from each other or go back to their room, their dorms. So she was talking a lot about that uh, freshman, incoming freshman class and how that affects them. And then Paula, who is a paraprofessional, that was on a completely different level because as a paraprofessional, you know, you know, they work with students one-on-one and How are they going to do that? How can they work with a child one-on-one if they're not supposed to be within six feet of them? You know, what happens to that attention that you're giving that kid? She was speaking specifically to her situation where at school she sits in or she has her own office and she'll have the kids come in and just talk to them and she can't do that anymore. It would They would have to either talk from a distance or talk outside of the office space. So there's a lot of that. Um, And Andrea, she is a teacher here out in New York as well. And she brought so many great points. She was really advocating for, uh, you know, teachers asking for ventilated rooms, PPE, uh, you know, um, how can we hug our kids? Some of our teachers are pre-K teachers, kindergarten teachers. What's gonna happen to these kids when they come back to school in the fall Realizing that this is not the school that they left in March. You know, there's not gonna be, you know, playtime. They're gonna be eating lunch on different separate tables. How does that work for a little child who needs, you know, that communication and touch and love from teachers? So, that all those, I broke it down really fast. And so, all of those teachers spoke on different aspects that really affected that is going to affect their teaching, and they brought up really good points and concerns from a lot of their friends and families who are teachers that also share, you know, the same concerns about schools reopening in the fall.
0: Right, so where do you think the correlation between social justice issues and what's happening with teachers, how do you think they, cor- like, correlate?
1: Oh, yeah, because, this, yeah, go ahead.
0: No, 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 because it's, it's, there's a real, there's a real concern with that, and I'm curious what your thoughts were after talking to them.
1: You know, it's interesting because there is a huge correlation. It shows that people are not being heard. I think, you know, especially we're seeing how Chapel Hill, like the school that opened up, how all of those students contracted COVID. And our government, our system is not listening to the demands of the people who are working on the front lines. And that goes with social justice, and that goes with the schools reopening in the fall. With social justice, you're not listening to the fact that People are protesting and demanding, you know, their rights, their freedom, you know, they're demanding, why is it that certain races are constantly being put on, when I say the front lines for this, I mean, are constantly being attacked by a cop or constantly being attacked by our government. It, it's such a, it's, it's so funny you ask that because I was just having this conversation, you know, with my mom and I was asking her if there is... Is it the same? Like, are we seeing the same issues when it comes to, let's say like the Black Lives Matter movement to teachers being forced now, they're being forced to go back and work even though they don't want to? Absolutely. There's a lot of teachers right now who also have a lot of health issues. So why are they going back to school? Some teachers aren't gonna be able to opt out because it needs to be a specific health issue or a pre-existing condition that stops them from being able to go and teach in you know inside the classes so there's there's that issue as well where we're not being listened to and in that it, it's so sad because it just translates to the systemic oppression the systemic racism that we've been hearing since the beginning of the Black Lives Matter protest movement you know the The fact that there are so many people on the top that are, that are in power that have the, I will use the word again, that have the power, that has the power to change a lot of these issues and change some of, listen, like listen to the people that are telling them, you know, this isn't right we're gonna people are gonna get sick, people are gonna get hurt out here, and they're not they're not changing it. And it's it's a it's a very upsetting thing because it just goes to show that a lot of the same issues that come from let's say like social justice to this issue, it just translates and it's gonna keep translating until someone puts a stop in the cycle. It's a really bad cycle that we have right now. And you know, hopefully one day there's someone right in power who will stop this cycle. But for right now it's now just the people on the front lines teachers protesters that are just going to constantly continue to fight until a uh, change is made right and one of the issues
0: also is that it's not just it's not just the teachers it's parents who have to go to work who have to right. you know it's the frontline workers who have to send their kids to school which is predominantly black and brown children too that are you know where people of who have money are able to more acclimate to like either doing pods or you know having some sort of system where the students can learn. But what's happening is that they're all going to the public system, and the public system is being dumped on right now, mm-hmm. and not listened to. And you know, I'm a teacher. I got to go back to school in two weeks. I'm terrified about going back to school. It's like I'm trying to figure out what kind of PPE am I'm gonna have, and you know, it feels a little bit like it, You know, I mean, this is so dramatic, but like a death march. Like, it's like, am am I walking into that? Like, am I going to be walking into, if they're going to be shutting schools down soon, Mm -hmm. then, you know, why are we even putting ourselves on the line right now? Because, you know, a lot of the, a lot of this, you know, they they basically left it up to the administration to um, figure out what they want to do with the classes. And there's no like higher up who's kind of like organizing this. Absolutely. So, you know, i I think that there is definitely like a social justice issue when it comes to who's who's able to do this safely and who is on the, who's on the front line, who's
1: at risk. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And you know, it's funny, I had a good conversation. So a lot of the inter- the interviews that I did for that episode, a lot of those Eclipse didn't make it in because the interview would have been too long. Um, Rosie and I had a great conversation about how this really does affect a lot of black and brown communities on the specific reasoning that they don't, not a lot of them, they're low income families. So not a lot of them have the opportunity, like you just said, to have the money for certain things that maybe another family has the opportunity to get. You know, So for a lot of students, they could probably, there's like for a lot of low-income families they probably can't get the right ppe you know you know what i mean they can't get the right type of mass that should be required to go into a school building and even when it came down to remote learning a lot of those students a lot of those low-income families they didn't have computers at home they didn't have tablets at home so the education that they since when this all hit in march and then they shut schools down and then trans you know went back Transitioned into remote learning, a lot of those students didn't get the right type of education because they didn't have the technology at home. They didn't have, a lot of students relied on the school lunches, the breakfast in the morning, especially in my area. A lot of students were lining up to go get breakfast still at the schools because they couldn't have it at home. So we're not thinking about the welfare of the children that got. Hit harder than some of the students that were a little bit well off, and I and when I say well off, had more of a privilege than a lot of low income income families who struggled so hard. So we're not thinking of how all of these different kids on different levels right now are coming back into a space where we're just going to start read give going to be start giving them education. How? how are we teaching all of those kids on the same level again? Because you're going to have a child who maybe hasn't read as much as another child or who didn't get to do Google Classroom classes because they didn't have a computer at home. So right. how are we bringing all those kids back onto the same level? I don't think that's possible.
0: Well, I'm telling you also, and I don't know if anybody talked about this of the teachers you interviewed, but, um, We also did not get the training to do remote learning, and I don't know if any of the people you spoke to have talked about that, but the fact of the matter is that we had all summer, and we had all summer to to get online, to get courses done that could have offered free courses, it wouldn't have cost that much because it's an online course, to get teachers all like ready, to do remote learning because part of what we're doing when we go back is we're gonna be doing half remote learning, half in-person learning. So we still don't have the training to that. Like, how are they attending? Like the answers are like, how are they attending to the kids who have to use their mom's iPhone? Maybe it's a cracked iPhone that they're using and maybe there's like three kids who have to use one iPhone to get on. How are we dealing with that? Do they, have they gotten the equipment that they need? And all of these questions have not been answered. And I, as a teacher, you know, I, I'm, I'm furious because I am being left in the dark too. We haven't even decided like, we don't, I don't even, I, I personally don't even know what I'm teaching yet um, mm-hmm. when I go to school. So, um, and I'm, I'm very curious about the, the, the teacher who was in Texas, who was on the border, what, what were some of the issues for her in terms of immigration? What, what kind of things did she share with you about that?
1: A lot. I mean, she couldn't share too much because of the risks of her families and her students, but a lot of her kids had issues with crossing the border. So there were the safety issues of getting found out, you know, getting because they had to cross. So she was saying there a lot of her students would have to use the school bus because if the parents drove them, they would get stopped at the border, and they would say, "Oh, well, do you have the right documentation to come?" Because once you cross, you're technically in, you know, USA, in the United States. So it's like, do you have all of that to cross over there? You know, are you undocumented? So it brought up a lot of those issues, and so a lot of her students would just take the bus because it was so much easier. Because also the parents didn't want to cross. There were issues that she talked about with the families just not being in um, safe homes. A lot of her kids, especially at their age, seventh graders, you know, she was saying that they were having a lot of issues because we're also thinking of like cartel issues. We're thinking of those types of things. So when it came down to, I know it was really sad. So when it came down to like immigration, she didn't talk too, too much about that because of just the safety of her kids. But she did just say that there were the safety issues of parents and students finding out, like, uh, the border, finding out if they were undocumented or not, um, so they just used the school bus to cross over into the charter school.
0: Right, yeah. and when you talked to the New York City teacher, did she, t- should she talk about what's happening with the union, about what
1: kind of protections we have, or? Yeah, well, the, so, actually, the one, Paula dandre she was a union um, leader, and I think she's, based in either, it's either New Hampshire or Massachusetts, I forget where she said she's from. Um, She was saying that her union and just those issues over there were that they were not prepared whatsoever to switch over to remote learning, especially as a power professional. She was saying they, they, no one gave them the right type of training for remote learning. She also said that come time this fall, she's actually back to school now, I think this week, because I did the interview last week. She was talking about, they were basically deciding a lot of these issues without the union reps and the union leaders being in the room. So a lot of the decisions being made, it was just on, it was just on the spot. It's like, oh, now you have to do this. And it was like, wait, huh? We, we didn't speak about this together. So she was very frustrated that she was finding out a lot of these decisions last minute and so she was really demanding and protesting for being in the room being able to speak to a lot of the leaders and whoever is in power there about what power professionals need what teachers need to make this transition right especially she was saying that a lot of teachers and power professionals that she knows have health conditions pre-existing health conditions so it's like well you didn't even ask us if we're good you haven't even asked us if our kids are fine you're just deciding that we're just going to send kids back you know in the school year the other Mm -hmm. teacher who works here in New York she brought up a lot of concerns saying especially for New York City just in general New York City's not a lot of New York City schools right now and this is what she said already didn't have the right type of building to sustain yeah. proper learning for kids. So we, they're already yeah. working in buildings that weren't ventilated. They're already working in buildings that had their own issues. And yet we're going back to those same buildings with COVID being another factor. They weren't cleaned. So how can we be bringing kids into a space that is the same space that was bad in the first place? And she was right. you know, and that's what she was really protesting for was just like, okay, we need to clean up this space before we bring these kids back. But those things obviously weren't going to happen. She was also advocating a lot for remote learning. She said they didn't get enough training to help their kids. Yeah, you know, she said what she ended up doing was, there's, in the video, she lists like four or five, um, they're like educators who she listens to to help her grow when it came to remote learning. She listened to them a lot to make sure that her, her kids were feeling comfortable on Zoom or Google Classroom or whatever Google Meets, whichever they used to keep the classroom vibe going. So each, each um, person had like their own different issues with what was going on with the decision to return to schools in the fall. Right. Um, did any of that help you to
0: decide about like uh, help your mom to decide about what to do with your sister. Like did, did those
1: interviews like influence her at all or? Oh yeah, absolutely. Especially the, especially the Andrea, um, Andrea Castellano, her interview specifically, because she's in New York city. It really did make help my mom to decide that my sister's not going back in the fall. She'll stay home and do the remote learning. She didn't want to take the chances with, you know, COVID obviously being the huge factor. Keely going, my little sister's name is Keely. Keely going back to school and not feeling the same connection with the students because they have to be six feet apart. Her The building's not being really ventilated. Her school is only on one floor. So she goes to a school in Brooklyn where it's one floor and that's it. So the hallways are crowded. So there's no way, yes, they're gonna be wearing masks, but there's no way they're not bumping and touching and rubbing up against other kids. We have the same thing at our the, schools. Yeah, yeah. All the classes are being let out at the same time. It's a no-go for that. So those were her main issues. Um, and then my mom, since she's a teacher, though, she's been schooling my sister from home, especially over the summer, to try and keep her up with eighth grade. And she was really concerned that a lot of teachers would... Find it really difficult to now get kids, like I said before, back on the same level of learning. So a lot of the kids who may be a little bit further along in their education will be left out because they have to catch up. A lot of other students who maybe was who maybe you know didn't do the Google Classroom uh, remote learning or didn't study over the summer break and things like that. So right. Yeah. Right, that's so interesting.
0: Well, um, it's just been great to talk to you. Um, I, I'm recommending to real a talk to, and we'll, we'll post the site to listen to these interviews that you have with these teachers. It's really exciting me to talk to another journalist about your experience talking to people. It's like, um, it's just so interesting to see what you have gotten from it, because you're not a teacher. Yeah. And, but having a family of teachers, how much that's influenced you. And, and I think that's just awesome. And I love I love your show, and I, I'm looking forward to following it more episodes, but we will definitely post about that also um, so people can hear it. And it's just been an honor and a pleasure to talk to you. You're so um, you're such an interesting <laughs> you're such an interesting woman. So I thank you for coming on the podcast today.
1: Amazing! Thank you so much for having me. And the next episode I will be doing, which is my episode ten for Two Talk, it's going to be the kids' perspective. So I'm going to have kids across the gamut from elementary, junior high, high school, college to talk about what it's like to go back to school in the fall, knowing that it's going to be a bit different. So hopefully, you know, when that episode comes out, that will be another great conversation to have.
0: Cannot wait to, to hear about it. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Kelsey. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. This has been the Warriors of Education podcast, dedicated to all the hardworking teachers across this country. We hear you. We see you. We honor you. Thank you.